What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the exposit story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Baldhead Bible Podcast is committed to keeping our show free to the public. However, as with everything, there are expenses involved, so if you would like to contribute, head on over to patreon.com, that's patreon.com forward slash baldhead bible, and there you can become a supporting member for as low as $1 a month. While there, please check out some of the bonus material available only to our BHBP supporters. And some of that material includes Bible study guides to help you use the podcast to minister to your children, to minister in a Sunday school class, and to have some quality family devotions. Gehazi stands at the door. He watches Naaman and his entourage right away. Probably thinks to himself, There goes all that money and all those changes of clothing. And he probably looks down at his garments and they're threadbare. And maybe he walks back into the kitchen where him and Elisha live and He looks at the food they have. It's not that they are starving, no, but man, they don't have much. They probably eat pretty bland food, and what they do eat is just probably average. And Gehazi thinks if Elisha had taken the gift that Naaman was offering, we could be eating the fatted calf every single night. We could have been eating sumptuously. We could have had the fatted calf, as much lamb as we wanted, mounds of hummus. We could have eaten all this great stuff. But Elisha wouldn't take the money. He looks over and there's Elisha, probably worshiping Yahweh. Maybe he's just sitting in the corner reading in the Torah again. They could have had all this silver. All these changes of clothing. Now who is this Gehazi? Well see, Gehazi was Elisha's servant. And he did all the stuff Elisha needed for him to do. But the Bible also represents Gehazi is a person of um, questionable character, or at least spiritually, we're not sure where he's at. Because one example is earlier, they had a boy who had died, right? And Elisha says, I need you to go ahead and take my staff and put it upon his face and heal him. Well, Gehazi gets up there, puts the staff on the little boy, and nothing happens. And earlier than that, he had tried to shove the woman away who had clung to the ankles of Elisha to heal her boy. And Gehazi's already being represented as a person who doesn't really have 
the Spirit of the Lord on his side and might not be working for God. But, you know, he also did some good things. Well, we're going to see in today's story that Gehazi, he had some bad character. And he had a heart that wasn't in to serving Yahweh. He had a heart for all the stuff he could get out of Yahweh. And all the money and all the prestige. Maybe he was wanting to be Elisha's servant for all the fame. He didn't care about Yahweh at all. This story shows Gehazi's true heart. Gehazi goes over to the door. He sees Naaman riding off. Then Gehazi has an idea. And he looks over at Elisha, and Elisha's just absorbed, you know, in, in in his latest scroll, and he's probably not even paying attention to Gehazi. And Gehazi thinks, you know what? I think I can do this. I think it'll work. And Gehazi walks through the door grabs the handle of the door and he begins to shut it behind him. Click. Little does Gehazi know the choice he is about to make will impact him and his family for generations to come. Don't do it, Gehazi. Don't do it. Don't do what? And I thought we were celebrating Naaman being healed. What in the world? Well, we were. And this story today, it starts happy, but then it ends sad. And today's story, I think, is a warning to anyone who says, I want to serve the Lord because of all the stuff I'm going to get. All the money I'm going to make. All the people I can boss around. All the glory I'm going to get. No, 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 no. If you feel called to serve the Lord, if you're a Christian, you are called to serve the Lord, right? But you've got to serve him in the right way and for the right motives and for the right reasons. And this story is a warning to us all. Let's serve the Lord correctly and out of a good heart. Let's not be Gehazi. Well, earlier, Naaman had showed up at the door of Elisha and Gehazi. He was knocking on the door, and Gehazi opens it, and there's Naaman, yes! And he gives Gehazi a big hug. And then behind him is Elisha, the prophet, and he gives him a big hug, or he high-fives him, or maybe he bows to him, and he says, listen, Naaman says to Elisha, listen, I now know that Yahweh, is the only true God, that there is only one true God and he is in Israel. This is what a Syrian commander says, a non-Jew, a Gentile. He says in the middle of northern Israel, there's only one God in the whole wide world and he's in Israel. Now the amazing thing is the average Jew living in northern Israel He was busy worshiping other gods, Chemosh, Molech, Baal. He was not worshiping Yahweh. They had to have a Gentile come in to tell all the people what was right. And when he got healed in the Jordan River by Yahweh, remember, Elisha didn't touch him. Remember, Elisha didn't take any money, no gifts, nothing. It was clearly a miracle 
by this God named Yahweh. And that news would spread and that news would get out and all the glory would go to Yahweh. It took a Gentile from another country to come and tell the Jewish people, you're serving the one true God. But were they listening? No. But Naaman was, and he says, listen, Elisha, there's only one true God, and his name is Yahweh. And I bet Elisha said, yes, we have converted you. You are now a Yahwehist. You are now a follower of Yahweh. Well done, Naaman. And Naaman says, please, please, I'm so excited. Accept this gift. And he brought tons of silver and tons of changes of clothing with him. Elisha could have left rich. But Elisha says, no. As I stand in the presence of Yahweh, I will not accept your gift. Elisha wanted the whole world to know that Yahweh chose to heal Naaman because Yahweh chose to do it. He wasn't some god that was, you know, that was provoked into doing it or or somehow seduced into doing it through all this money. No. Yahweh chose to do it because he chose to do it. And he wasn't a God that could just be bought off. And Elisha wanted Naaman and the watching world to know that. Well, Naaman then said, well, well then please, please, let me get two mule loads of dirt. Just a ton of dirt good Israeli soil so that I can go back home to Syria and worship Yahweh on this soil. See, Naaman doesn't realize it. He thinks, in a very pagan way still, that a god, a deity, is tied to a specific region. See, back then you had gods of the mountains, gods of the sky, and, and certain gods were tied to certain countries. Or maybe a god might have been tied to a specific idol and manifest himself through that idol. But you know what? Yahweh wasn't that way. See, Naaman thought, if, if I get Israeli dirt, bring it back home to Syria, I'll create a secret room where I'll lay that dirt out, and then I'll worship God, I'll worship Yahweh on that dirt because he's tied to this land. Or maybe he thought, I'll build some sort of altar out of this dirt so that I can worship the God tied to this dirt. He wants to worship Yahweh, but he's still bringing in his pagan thought. He doesn't realize Yahweh is the greatest God of all gods. He's the king of all kings. He's the head of the divine council. And he is not tied to land or region or even a nation. He chose Israel to make them his people because he chose to. But all the way back in the story of Genesis, right? In the story of Abraham, God, Yahweh, shows up in the middle of Ur. And Ur was some other deity's territory. And that's one of the reasons Abraham's mind was blown. This God shows up and he can move anywhere he wants. That's Yahweh. That's our God. He owns it all. Naaman, he doesn't know that. He's just dealing with the revelation that he has and thinking the way he's thinking. Well, then he says, and, and please, please, I need you to forgive me. 
And he says to Elisha, I need you to pardon me. So please, I want all this dirt so I can go back and, and worship Yahweh on it. But then, listen, I need you to forgive me. As the representative of your God, please forgive me. Forgive me for this one thing. And maybe Naaman fell to his knees and bowed his head. Naaman looked up and he said, I, I'm the right-hand man of the king of Syria. And he goes into his temple, to the temple of Ramon. And there he worships this god named Ramon. And I, I'm his right-hand man and I have to go in and worship Ramon too. And I'm going to have to bow my head. But please, I, I want Yahweh to forgive me for bowing to another god. But I have to. He leans on me. Either he literally leaned on Naaman and he helped him bow, which made Naaman also bow, or it's more of the sense that he leaned on him to help him worship Ramon and he had to light candles and say incantations and do all this stuff. But, but basically Naaman is saying, I'm going to be bowing and I'm going to be worshiping this other God on the outward appearance, but inside my heart is true to Yahweh. And when I go into this temple and have to physically bow, please, I want your God, I want Yahweh to forgive me. Please pardon me. Because it's just an outward show. Inwardly, I'm worshiping Yahweh. And Elisha says, go in peace. So Naaman gets up. And he just goes in peace. And he leaves. And there's Gehazi watching all that silver leave and all the changes of clothing that could have been his. And he's thinking, man, look at all that money. Look at all those clothes. Look at all the stuff we could have had. I cannot believe it. And he's leaving with it. So like I said, Gehazi sneaks out the house. And he runs after Naaman. And Naaman gets out of town a little bit and here comes Gehazi running after him. And he runs in front of the caravan probably and stops and stops. And he goes, hey, hey, listen, listen, listen. Hey, hey, stop. And Naaman gets off the horse and says, what is it? Gehazi then tells a big, fat lie. Gehazi says, my, my master sent me to, to talk to you and, and, and that there's two young men from, from his sons of prophets. Remember, Elisha was the head prophet and he had basically a college of, of other prophets who were training to be prophets and they were called the sons of prophets. And Gehazi's making up this lie and he says, well, I've had two young men from the sons of prophets, the college basically, and, and they've come to me and, and they've walked a long way from the hill country of Ephraim and they need help. Please, could you give them 75 pounds of silver and two changes of clothing? Just 75 pounds of silver and two changes of clothing. They could really use the help. Gehazi's breathing. He just ran there, right? He is lying through his teeth. Well, Naaman is so excited about what Yahweh has done. 
He says, no, I'm not just going to give you 75 pounds of silver. Please, please, please. Here, accept 150 pounds of silver. 150 pounds of silver. Please accept it. Basically doubles the amount Gehaze wanted. So they start to unload into bags 150 pounds of silver. And they get two bags... And then Naaman says, I'm going to have my servants carry it back for you because these are heavy, right? Ugh. And they begin to walk it back all the way to Samaria. And it says, as they get to the top, because Samaria, remember, is up on a hill. That's why it's so hard to fight against it and why it's a great fortress because it's up on the top of a mound and... They've got to walk these 150 pounds of silver up that mound. Well, just as they're about to get up there, Gehazi says, wait, stop, 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 stop. He just asks them to drop it there. And he says, thanks, I'll take it from here. And the servants are probably like, whew, I'm glad I didn't want to haul that all the way up there. And they go back to Naaman. And Naaman heads back to Syria with his dirt. And he thinks, I've just helped out Elisha. And Gehazi then takes that silver, 150 pounds of it. Maybe he puts one of the bags sort of off to the side under a bush. And he picks up one of them and he drags it to his house. It says he deposited them in the house. Now where him and Elisha are is probably separate. Maybe he has his own little home there and he drags it there. Or maybe he literally hid it in the house under Elisha's nose. And he puts it there. Then he goes back and gets the other bag. And he drags it and he picks it up and he a little spills out. And he puts it back in and he takes it and he deposits them in his house. And he thinks, I now have 150 pounds of silver in my house. Elisha doesn't even know it. I've got all this money hid. Everything is great. He sneaks back into his house. He stands by his master, Elisha. Whew, dusting himself off. Everything is taken care of. His little trick worked. He's probably thinking, we're going to have frozen pizza tonight, Elisha. But when you're asleep or when you're gone and I'm here by myself, we are going to have some real Chicago-style pizza. We are going to eat the fat and calf. <laughs> Things are great. Things are wonderful. Things are awesome. He has got money upon money. And he stands there and maybe he sits down and he looks over at Elisha. And Elisha's reading his scroll and... And then Elisha, he's still reading. Okay, he's thinking of all the things he's going to do with his money. And then Elisha says, where did you go, Gehazi? And Gehazi sits up. And he looks over at Elisha. And Elisha is no longer reading. He's now giving him that stare. That look. Gehazi looks at him, takes a big gulp, 
uh, uh, Gehazi says, uh, I, I, I didn't go anywhere. I, I didn't, I didn't go anywhere. What do you say? Hey, which pizza do you want tonight? Pepperoni, Supreme, Supreme sounds pretty good. Or I really like that frozen taco pizza. We should get that. And Elisha says, you didn't go anywhere. You didn't go anywhere, Gehazi. Elisha says, and my heart didn't go when the man got down from the chariot to meet you? Gehazi had been caught red-handed. Elisha knew all about what had happened. God had revealed to Elisha exactly what had happened. I can imagine Gehazi, he starts to tremble and he thinks, oh no, I'm in big trouble. And Elisha then says, you know what? There is a time to accept silver and clothing and olive orchards and vineyards and flocks and herds and, and all the servants you would want. And yes, there's a time to accept all that stuff. But this wasn't the time, Gehazi. This wasn't the time. This was the time when all the glory goes to Yahweh. This was the time when we didn't want the world to think that somehow Naaman bought this miracle by buying out our God. No, we wanted the whole world to know Yahweh chose to heal him because Yahweh is an awesome God. You just messed that up, Gehazi. You chose greed. You chose lying in the service of Yahweh. No way are you going to get away with that, Gehazi. And then Elisha says this. Gehazi, the disease that clung to Naaman's skin will now cling to you and your descendants forever. It says Gehazi then gets up and he leaves the presence of Elisha and says his leprosy was so bad that his skin resembled snow. I mean, that's how bad his leprosy was that instant. It looked like his face and his hands were covered in snow because that's how bad his skin disease was. Gehazi, what were you thinking? We never hear of Gehazi again. But you know what's interesting to me? Is notice Elisha didn't make him give the money back. Gehazi has 150 pounds of silver. Yes, that's a lot of money. He's basically a, a six-figure salary, maybe a millionaire back in those days. He's got all this money. But he's got a curse to go with it. He can go buy anything he wants, but nobody's going to take his money because he's got leprosy. 
He's got to be kicked out of the camp. No one wants to be around him. No one's going to want to go to Gehazi's party, even though you can eat like a king because he has leprosy. And you know, I think that's a picture of how many of us, we get what we want from the world. The Lord finally gives us what we want. We want money. We want fame. We want lust. We want whatever it happens to be. But with it comes that curse of pursuing our own thing, pursuing the flesh. And we get what we want, but we get all the terrible things with it. And here Gehazi, he got what he wanted, money. But he got all the terrible things with it. Man, I hope that's a reminder to us all. Let's worship and serve Jesus out of a heart that says, I'm called to do this, and I'm not going to do it for my own glory or for my own fame. In fact, you know, Paul talks about there are those in the New Testament who are serving and who are ministering to basically get their own fame and their own worldwide attention and their own money. And man, Paul says they're in big trouble for that. And I hope that you and I serve the Lord out of a heart of gratitude for what he's done for us and never out of a heart of greed. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week. Thank you.